This is episode 16 with the founder of No Meat Athlete, finisher of multiple ultra marathons, Boston qualifying marathoner, and a good friend of mine, Mr. Matt Frazier. Welcome back to the Strength Running Podcast. I hope you're well and everything is progressing very nicely with your running. If not, well, let me know. I might be able to help. So today we have a really good discussion about healthy eating habits and lifestyle with Matt Frazier. Matt is a friend of mine and someone I've known for over six years now. He's the founder of the incredible worldwide movement No Meat Athlete with a website and podcast of the same name. And Matt is always someone who I listen to very carefully when it comes to habits and systems. In other words, the daily routines that make your life more productive. Now, why in the world are we talking about this on a running podcast? Well, because it's just as important as the training itself. I mentioned this at the end of our conversation, but it's critical for runners to think of running as a lifestyle, not as a hobby or just something that you do a few times a week. Because if you're training to run a PR or finish a longer distance, then your lifestyle is what supports your running. Without getting your sleep, recovery, nutrition, and energy dialed in, then you won't absorb all of the hard training you're doing. You won't adapt to the hard training. And without those adaptations, you're not going to get any faster. And you also are going to increase your injury risk. So this conversation is about getting the little things right. And I should mention that this is just an excerpt. The entire interview is part of Team Strength Running. And in the full talk, we discuss a lot more from morning routines to journaling and even meditation and how those activities actually support your running. Soon we'll actually be opening up team strength running to new members. So if you're interested in affordable coaching, hop on the notification list at strengthrunning.com slash TSR. And I'll give you a lot more details very soon. Without further ado, please enjoy my interview with Matt Frazier. Matt, thanks so much for being here and talking about healthy habits with me today. You're one of the people uh, I really look to for how to do this kind of thing, how to set yourself up to uh, succeed in terms of productivity, healthy eating, and accomplishing big stretch goals. So I'm excited. This is going to be fun. Yeah, me too, Jason. Always good to catch up with you and talk to your audience and share what I have to share. And so for me, you know, I, I feel like I'm very much like the average person. I'm a man of convenience. I don't want to spend hours preparing all of my meals, uh, and I don't have any inclination or desire to do that. So, you know, for someone, you know, you have a new book coming out of, uh, of 150 recipes. I think it's awesome. What are some of the strategies that you found to work really well to make eating healthy and, and really prioritizing your diet, uh, you know, efficient and so that it doesn't take a ton of time and effort? Uh, yeah, so that is a huge question, and I think, first of all, that that you're right, that this does all really tie together, and people talk about different things to help their energy or their mood or their productivity uh, or their motivation level, and to me, food is is more than any of the stuff we've talked about so far. I mean, it, it is everything as far as you know what's going on during your day in your body and in your brain. It's all tied together, and... Uh, to me, once I started eating healthy, I mean, it really changed everything about my energy level. I just stopped having that kind of middle of the day crash. And I just felt like when I started eating well, and for me, that that meant going vegetarian and then vegan. Uh, certainly, there are ways to do those things that aren't healthy. There, there's, I'm not arguing that vegetarian or vegan are by default healthy. 
but as I did it in my way that that I think did turn out to be very healthy, uh, I just found that everything kind of evened out. My moods just got, you know, less ups and downs and less energy levels just stayed consistently good. Uh, not not these crazy sugar buzzes where I would just be going wild and not the big lulls later on in the day. Uh, so it's of utmost important. I would highly recommend people just, you know, find a diet that, that works for you and do well. And, and I mean, there are many, many different types of diets, of course, and they're all popular on the internet. And some of them are polar opposites of, of the diet I eat, which is a hundred percent plant-based diet. But a lot of them work really well. You know, long-term, I will argue that, that plant-based is, is my favorite and I believe the best. But in the short term, all these different healthy diets that are based, I mean, the ones that, that work well, and many of them do in the short term, you, you will move towards a good weight and you will hopefully feel good. It's because they're all based on whole foods. No no diet is going to tell you to drink soda and eat potato chips and, and eat processed hot dogs. Uh, it's just, I mean, eat whole foods. And that is that is the simplest thing, whether you believe in, in plant-based or paleo or whatever. If you eat whole foods, you're going to probably become healthier than you are if you're eating processed foods. I mean, it, it is that simple. I think our bodies are really good, especially in the short term, at using what is given to them. Uh, but that that whatever is given to them, for it to be used and our bodies to use it well, it's got to be something that the body evolved eating. And and that that can be plants or meat or whatever. But it just it just can't be Twinkies, you know. I mean, that, we just it's just we're not meant to have that stuff. So um, that's the first thing. I mean, as far as how did I start to do it? you know, prioritize it, make it easier. Um, one of my favorite, the, the, really the way I got started with it was drinking a smoothie in the morning. That was like the first meal that I felt, I said, I'm taking control of my day and I'm going to start this way. And I, whatever happens after that, whatever happens at lunchtime or whatever, it's fine. I'm, I'm just going to get this part handled. And then, so what I recommend to a lot of people as a strategy is, is start, you know, start breakfast the way you want to, right? Figure out whatever your, your ideal breakfast is and eat that. And then, it's okay if you're not if you if you are off the wagon by noon and and you're not doing well and your your dinner's crazy. But then just get that breakfast handled. And then once you have that handled, challenge yourself to push it a little bit longer and make it through your through your morning snack if you have that. And then make it through lunch. And you can you can kind of gradually start to take over your day with healthy food. And I think I tend to believe that if you start off and maybe not the first week when it's kind of a change and it's going to be hard. But if you start off eating really well, it tends to make it easier to make that next meal a healthy one. So I, so I think once you're used to eating something healthy in the morning, uh, I think it's easier to make lunch healthy. I think you, you start, your taste buds start to change, cravings start to subside, and uh, gradually that that healthy eating can, can creep throughout your day. Now, I mentioned a smoothie. I know there are lots of arguments, of course, again, on the internet, because that's, that's where all arguments live about smoothies, whether they're good or bad. You know, you can, you can go either way. I don't think smoothies are as good as eating fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds by themselves, a, a plate full of them. But I also don't know anybody who eats a plate full of fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and some greens and to, to boot as their breakfast. P- people just don't do that. So for me, I have people drink smoothies because I think if the alternative is an egg McMuffin, then the smoothie's way better. If the alternative is a bagel with cream cheese on it, the smoothie's way better. It's just a bunch of good, fresh, and raw foods, and I, I believe that you know if, if you can get some greens in your smoothie, some fruit, some flax seeds, some walnuts, I mean, you're getting some really, really good stuff. Uh, yes, there's some there's some argument about sugar getting digested too quickly if it's in smoothie form. It actually turns out that if you put blackberries into that smoothie, and I imagine other berries too, but I've, it's the studies are there on blackberries, uh, it will actually blunt the sugar spike 
of even something like sugar water. So adding some sort of even pureed blackberries into a mix does not boost sugar spiking at all. Uh, I think by, by adding actual whole food sugar, sugar in the form of whole food, um, you know, I, I tend to believe that you're doing what your body is, is good at doing, and that's that's eating fruit in nature. So um, I'm a big fan of smoothies. I think the, the formula idea, which I've done some stuff on the internet about formulas, we have a smoothie formula on my website. Uh, if it's if you Google like no meat athlete perfect smoothie formula, you will find one that I wrote it a long time ago. So there's some stuff in there that I don't really do so much now. Like I used to put flaxseed oil in my smoothies, and I've kind of now just prefer using whole flaxseeds. Um, but I kind of just like broke it down and said, okay, what what when my smoothies turn out good and they don't always or they didn't always, uh, what is it that you know what are the common elements when a smoothie recipe is good? I kind of saved the recipes that turned out well. And I started to realize like you could do a handful or two handfuls of frozen fruit and then you need usually something to sweeten it beyond because berries aren't that sweet and that's usually what frozen fruit is. So I would add a banana um, or I mean, you could use a softer fruit as well. Any sort of softer fruit is going to add some texture. I tend to like bananas because they add some sweetness. Uh, a certain amount of nuts and seeds, you know, if you put too much, it just gets kind of weird, especially with walnuts, it gets kind of bitter and strange. But if you get just the right amount... Uh, it turns out that, so I realized that you could just kind of have these categories of ingredients, nuts and seeds, frozen fruit, soft fruit. And if you just put something approaching the right amount, you can eyeball it. None of this needs measuring or anything like that. Uh, you can consistently make a good smoothie with pretty much whatever you have on hand. And then I realized you could do the same thing with veggie burgers and the same thing with energy bars. And that a lot of cooking is really just based on these ratios. And in fact, I've since then found there's a book called Ratio that is all about learning to cook and not just cooking for health, but, but, you know, to be a chef by just learning whatever the 50 ratios there are that say a salad dressing should be three parts oil to one part vinegar. And that actually this, this formula idea that I thought I had turns out that's a, a really big thing in cooking. So that helped me a lot. Um, you know, I don't follow like specific formulas even anymore. They, they were useful for me. And a lot of people have really gotten a lot of value out of those things. Um, but nowadays, I'll do something like like for my dinner, as often as I possibly can, I will make that a grain, a green, and a bean. And uh, that is a phrase that I will defend till the day I die that I made up, but then Trader Joe's stole it and put it on some of their frozen foods, uh, which is <laughs> quite a shame, but it's okay. Uh, but anyway, it, it's what it sounds like, right? Some sort of grain. If you don't like gluten, then you can use quinoa. If you, if you are anti-grain, as I know some people are, then this is not going to be for you because then you're probably also going to be anti-bean. Uh, but I would argue that you are missing two really good foods if you if you ignore those, especially the beans. Beans are just there. There are so many good reasons. In fact, the American Institute for Cancer Research in 2007 did a study, and what they concluded was that we should eat beans not just every day, but in every single meal. They said they are that valuable uh, in preventing cancer. Also, they are blue zones food, which is all these long lived cultures. Almost all of them have beans as a big substantial part of their. Uh, their diet. So that's another one of my crusades is to get people to realize that beans are wonderful for you. Um, but anyway, a grain, a green, a bean, you know, just means you start cooking some grains. It could be some rice, could be whatever. You toss some beans in if they want, if they need to be out of a can, that is totally fine. Uh, and then you, you wilt some sort of green in there. Could be kale, could be something like arugula, bok choy, any sort of this good cruciferous green vegetable, uh, is wonderful. And then, you know, whatever they are might, might dictate that it should have soy sauce and ginger or something else, or maybe, maybe it's a, you know, a little fancier and you start it with onions as a base before you do the grain. I mean, it, very, very easy to do these things. And I think when I give this advice to eat a, a, or make dinner, a grain, a green and a bean, people think of that as like this big bowl of 
mush and big bowl of sadness, I like to call it. Uh, but it doesn't have to be that. Like you can you can make tacos that are a grain of green to me. If you if like corn tortillas for me, that's a grain. You could use wheat tortillas if you want that. You can put some sort of bean. You can put lentil taco mixture in there, uh, and then some sort of greens. Maybe some cabbage on top of that. Maybe lettuce. Who knows what? So even just put a bunch of cilantro. Even that can be some green for you. Uh, lots of soups are are like lots of good Italian soups. Uh, what's pasta fagioli or something like that, where it's pasta and a bean. Um, all kinds of you know stews and things are very very easy to make a grain a green and a bean and i just like that formula i think it works really well you get some really healthy stuff and it has worked really well uh and then i mentioned breakfast and dinner so i might as well mention lunch what i typically do for lunch almost every day if i can manage it is just eat a humongous salad uh with beans on top and a dressing that is nut based not oil based i tend to just think that oil you know i talked about whole foods i don't really think that oil is um, technically a whole food. So I try to get that fat in whole food form. I think that's really important, but I try to get it from whole nuts. So I use, you know, nut-based dressings like like a cashew ranch or a tahini garlic dressing. And these recipes are easy to find. Just Google them on the internet. You'll find tons of them. Um, so that with, with a giant salad that has some greens and some cruciferous vegetables and all different kinds of stuff on it. And then some, if, if I need more, I'll have a side of, of I don't know, brown rice or, or something with that. But often I don't need that salad. I mean, I don't need the... Uh, the side because that the salad is enough. So I think that's probably, I mean, I imagine a lot of people are hearing that and they're like, Oh my God, I don't want to eat that stuff. Uh, and I can understand that because it took me a long time to get to the point of wanting to do that. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I just feel, I feel like people think of cooking as this big, hard, scary thing. And people get in a rut where they're eating takeout all the time and cook out cooking becomes this overwhelming thing to have to start doing. But you don't, I mean, it's just, it doesn't have to be that way. You, you can buy a few store-bought ingredients and combine them with some other stuff. People I know, you know, they get, they, like, even in the in the plant-based community, like, I have a, I do a health uh, uh, meal planning program, and, and our members will come on there sometimes, and they'll say, they'll say, I've been in a rut, I haven't been making the recipes, I've just been eating for dinner, like, a salad and some hummus and a couple pieces of fruit, and I'm like, that is a, that is a, that is a fine meal like i mean yeah like eventually i don't know there's not a lot of caloric density there so if, you, if you're doing a ton of running then dinners like that are going to you know perhaps not provide quite enough calories for you uh but i don't know i feel like when if you can like give your body a little break from giant meals and just eat some fruits and vegetables and something else that kind of fills you up and makes you feel happy th- that takes five minutes to get on the table or less right like fresh fruit nuts i mean that stuff has zero preparation time with it so I think people have think that in order to make a healthy meal, you must spend a whole lot of time making it. And I would argue that if you can instead just combine fresh ingredients and kind of get yourself over the hump of needing this big, fancy, even hot meal, uh, you know, I think it's a good thing. And I think so much of that is the story in someone's head that says this isn't enough for dinner. This isn't a meal. Uh, if you can get over that, you know, just looking back to kind of what's natural, we didn't, our ancestors didn't you know, go hunt something and then go gather something and then, you know, whip up something sweet that would be the dessert. You know, they just ate what they found and what they had. And I bet most of the time that was one thing per meal, uh, which which is sort of efficient for digestion because then you don't get conflicting enzymes happening. So I'm not arguing that anybody do that, but people do. Um, but, you know, I just think I just think kind of that kind of gathering mindset, right? Like eat what you have. It doesn't have to be all combined into some fancy perfect meal. Just eat things that are that are there and ready to be eaten. And uh, I don't know. I, I just think a lot of a lot of the the fear of cooking is kind of an overthinking thing. 
Yeah, I think another thing that that is important to point out too is when someone wants to, okay, I'm going to start eating healthier, which is kind of a broad goal, but when they look at someone like you or they look at someone who really has, you know, their diet, their nutrition, their their eating habits already kind of laid out and it's already pretty good, then they get frustrated. They they think that it's too overwhelming. They're never going to get there. They don't want to get there. They don't want to eat all this health food. You know, they just want to make a couple smaller changes and, you know, they don't make any changes because they look at kind of the ideal or they look at kind of the, the end goal and they get frustrated or overwhelmed. But, you know, it sounds like it doesn't matter if we're talking about eating healthy or, uh, or, or starting to run or nailing down your morning routine. What's important is just picking one thing and do that one thing really well until it's a habit. And then you can take the next step. Then you can tackle the next thing. So maybe that's, okay, I'm going to have a smoothie in the morning every day. And then once you get that and you, you start feeling great and you're like, man, I'm going to keep doing this. This is awesome. Then you can tackle lunch. Then you can maybe get your snack right. Maybe then you can say, all right, now I'm going to finally prepare a really, really healthy dinner. But you can't have everything uh, in line on day one. You really need to start with what I would consider a, you know, a cornerstone habit or uh, a habit that really sets you up later to be more productive or to further along whatever goal that you're doing. Um, and, and I really love that you brought up smoothies. Uh, you know, all the, everyone... You know, you read online, people are like, oh, you're getting too much sugar, there's too much fructose, all this stuff. But, you know, the times when my energy is highest and I feel like I'm firing on all cylinders is when I do have a smoothie in the morning. And I tend to make my smoothies. So we talked about, you know, this, uh, the formula, or I think in your book, um, the No Meat Athlete Cookbook, you call it a blueprint recipe where, yes. Um, you know, you have kind of this base and then you can add onto it from there. So for me, my, my blueprint, uh, kind of my foundation for my smoothies is, um, two cups of coconut milk and two cups of, uh, frozen spinach. And that provides kind of the base that I can then add maybe one more vegetable and some berries and fruit to it. And it always turns out good. As, as long as I get that foundation right, then I'm probably going to have a great smoothie. And I think that is, um, you know, an easy way to make smoothies uh, just easier to do, easier to, to set up and, and do. You already, you don't need to look up a recipe. You kind of just go. And I think that is uh, one of the things to make eating healthier a lot more effective for you in your everyday life. Yeah, I, I love that. And I mean, I think for me, one of the reasons to, to eat smoothies and even to eat salads isn't so much that like, I don't know, that I think the idea of the smoothie is that healthy. It's just that it's this opportunity, it's this vehicle to get all this good stuff that you might want in there. So whatever your base is, I mean, mine, mine I tend to think of the fruit as the base of mine. I think of the, the bananas and then these frozen berries. Berries are another one of those things that I try to eat all the time. And I think most people uh, don't fit into their diets at all because it's just not that convenient we just don't eat berries that much we eat other fruits uh but i think berries are just one of those foods that i don't think we get enough of they're 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 so vibrantly colored for a reason and that's because they're loaded with antioxidants and anti-inflammatory and anti-cancer stuff so they're very very good and the other thing you just mentioned is greens uh, i'm not that great at putting greens into my smoothie but i will always manage to slip some sort of handful of you know if we have we have if we use spinach and it's starting to go bad or at least not starting to go bad but it's appearing that it is on the way out we move it to the freezer and then I just throw that in my smoothies that week. So 
I like that you start with the base of greens. That that's you know to me just as good, maybe even better than starting with the base of berries. And depending on who you ask, you'll get different answers. But most people don't eat greens at all. Most people know that greens are wonderful, but think of greens as this you know disgusting, hard to eat food that it's just not going to show up in most people's dinners because most people won't make the effort to have a salad and they're not going to throw it in that many dishes. So for me, the smoothie is the way to get this stuff and ensure that you get get this stuff. So you you have this, you know, you're you are guaranteed to get a bunch of greens that day when you start your smoothie off that way. And often you don't really taste them in a smoothie anyway, which is part of the, another good reason to put them in there. Uh, same with nuts and seeds. For me, that's, that's you know, I don't snack on nuts and seeds all that much. But if I throw them in the smoothie, especially flax seeds, they're not easy to snack on. Uh, if I throw them in the smoothie every day, then I can ensure that I'm getting them. I also try to eat a slice of turmeric, like fresh turmeric root every day, because that's another really, really good, valuable, beneficial food. Um, but it's just not that easy to eat. It tastes, you know, it ruins any meal you would you would put that in. So I just try to put that next to my salad and take a bite of it. Or I can actually throw that in the smoothie, and believe it or not, you don't taste it. You taste that the smoothie tastes different. But you don't taste this this horrible turmeric, whatever the flavor is. I don't even. There's no description for it. It's not that bad. It's just this very intense. Um, so the smoothie is kind of like this system by which I can manage to get all this stuff that I think is really important that I think is not easily going to show up in my diet the rest of the day. So I think you're doing the same thing with greens, and that uh, that's wonderful. So that that's a really good reason to, you know, have have one of these kind of go-to meals, whatever it is, whether it's a smoothie, whether it's a salad, something that provides a base for a bunch of other stuff that you know you can put with it that uh, is going to help you. Man, you're making me hungry. Um, and <laughs> no, I am. I'm surprised. I mean, this this stuff won't make too many people hungry. So I'm, I'm glad that uh, you were the exception. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have uh, run a workout this morning and then just had a very meager lunch before the call. Uh, and then, of course, <laughs> I was looking at your at your new book, the No Mean Athlete Cookbook. You have 150 recipes in there. Uh, do you happen to have a favorite? I was looking through some of them, and uh, I, I besides your favorite, I also want to ask about the calorie bomb cookie. <laughs> so I didn't develop a lot of the recipes. I, I, I contributed a few of them, but um, most of them were done with a partner who's a friend of mine in Asheville who is a chef and herself a runner and, and yoga teacher and all these other things. So uh, she developed the calorie bomb cookie recipe. Of course, it would only be in a a, res, a book, cookbook that is for athletes, right? Cause, or unless it's one of those joke things like the, like the heart attack burger or whatever. Because uh, most people would not appreciate the idea of a calorie bomb cookie when when they're looking for usually the opposite, the the calorie free cookie. Uh, so I'm I'm glad to be able to make a, a book that has a calorie bomb cookie in it. Um, I my favorite recipe. Let's see. I mean I've tried all of them because because you know we tested them extensively. There's so many good ones. Uh, there's there's a bolognese sauce. Like I really like Italian food and and meat sauce is something that. Yeah, I used to love, and and unfortunately don't eat anymore. I mean, unfortunately from a from a you know the taste in my mouth sense, I'm I've chosen not to do it, so I'm not going to say it's unfortunate that I don't. But uh, you know, I miss that from being a kid. So there's a bolognese sauce that that has some walnuts as as the base, and I know to most people that's not going to sound like a great meat substitute, but to me or someone who's been eating this way for a while, it it really just I don't know, just tastes really good. So. That's that's probably one of my favorites. Uh, there's a one pot pasta dish that I also like. It's very very simple, and and you can you know do what you do what it says all in one pot. Another good Italian dish because I tend to like those. Um, but I you know it's it's funny that I can't really pick a favorite. But what I Stephanie has this really great culinary background of she's lived in a bunch of different countries. There's some Ethiopian dishes in there. There's some Asian Korean style dishes, and. To me, that's what I think about when I think of this cookbook. I think I think I don't know when when I think of vegetarian vegan cookbook for athletes. 
that's not the first thing I would think about. I would think about, I don't know, whatever. I mean, salads and smoothies and all that stuff. But there's a ton of really, really good uh, Asian and, and other ethnicities foods in there that uh, I, I just think are, are really good. And I'm, I'm really proud of the way it all came together. Well, if there are anything like the other recipes that you included in your first book, No Meat Athlete, then they're probably going to be delicious. My wife makes quite a few of your recipes um, from the first book. Uh, and yeah, That's good. Yeah, we'll, we'll put a meat side uh, on there sometimes, full disclosure, but you know, that's the, the right. actual recipe is absolutely delicious. Good. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate, I, honestly, I mean, I think... I think people are, when they hear vegetarian or vegan, they're afraid to offend that person, or maybe they're not afraid, but maybe they just you know, think they can offend that person by the even mention of meat. But I am I am not that person. Uh, I think it is wonderful. If someone cooks from the No Meat Out of the Cookbook once a week and makes that their dinner, you know, the Meatless Monday thing or whatever, um, you know, for me, that's a win. I think that is wonderful. If someone, you know, uses a, a No Meat Out of the recipe as their dish and has the meat as the side instead of the meat as the main course, and, you know, some little token bit of, of pasta or grains as the side. To me, that's another win. So I, I am all about, um, you know, people just, just doing a little bit, you know, I, I think better, but some people don't think better. But I, I, I'm happy to have people uh, embrace it at all. And, uh, you know, not, not the judgy type by any means. Yeah, we had a vegetarian meal last night for dinner. And I always think it's funny when, you know, a lot of, you know, vegetarians or vegans, they always use uh, plant-based to describe their diet. And I think it's a little humorous because I think every person should have a plant-based diet. It's just based on plants. It's not necessarily <laughs> only plants, but it's based on plants. So if you are adhering to a paleo or primal diet, you should still be eating a plant-based diet. It's not that meat is 50% of your diet. You're, you're probably going to, you know, uh, regret that in a, a decade or two. But, you know, you need to make sure that, you know, whatever your diet is, I think it should always be plant-based. Uh, and I think plant-based, um, you know, for risk of offending you, Matt, maybe it was hijacked by the <laughs> vegan or vegetarian um, movement. But, you know, it's 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 the way to do it. It's the way to yeah, do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that term is weird. And there, I don't know what the right term is for the way I eat it. When you say just vegan or just vegetarian, as I sort of alluded to earlier, is that that can be unhealthy, right? Like there, there are plenty of really unhealthy vegans uh, because because I think Twinkies are probably vegan. I don't, I don't know that for sure, but I believe they are. Um Lots of French fries, sodas, potatoes. I mean, these things are vegan by and large, and you could subsist on that. Although you might not subsist for that long, but you you would not be very healthy at all. So that's I think that's where plant based kind of came from. Is it just started to be like, in some way, it implies that you're eating plants and not Twinkies, right? So I think that's the idea. Um, but I for the long and I think nowadays, especially vegans are are using that as the as a synonym for vegan as a as a word that although says plant based. Um, tends to mean all plants, 100% plants. And I think, I mean, I'm, I'm not, not that I like the lifestyle better or worse, but I just think, I think I, the term is better for what you just said, right? A diet that is based on plants. And I mentioned the blue zones earlier. If you look at, at those, I think it's like seven different pockets in the world. That's a wonderful book, by the way, The Blue uh, the blue Zones by Dan Butner, I think is his name. Um, plant-based or not, or vegan or not, or whatever. It is. It has, I think, six of the seven cultures. Only one of them is vegetarian. Uh Six of them, the other six, if, if I'm correct that there are seven, they eat mostly plants. They eat all different things depending on different parts of the world. Lots of beans. That's one of the common ones. Sweet potatoes are, I think, in Okinawa. Uh, they all kind of have their own thing in, in uh, 
Costa Rica, it's more based on beans and corn and squash, but it all just depends where you go. Uh, but like they eat, they eat meat as part of celebrations. And for some, it's like a twice a month thing. I think for others, it might be more like a once or twice a week thing. Uh, but I, I just really like that whole idea that you could have a diet based on plants, even if you had no ethical you know, reason for wanting to be this or ideological thing about it. Like for me, that's, I will fully admit, that's a big part of my choice to go vegetarian and vegan. It was, I didn't want to eat animals, not for health reasons, but just, I just didn't feel right about it. But if you have none of that, as I'm sure a lot of people do, and like, that's, you know, I'm not here to judge at all. uh, There's still just such good evidence for basing your diet on plants and just using the meat more of as a flavoring or a condiment or a celebration time special thing to have. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dr. Joel Furman. He's written Eat to Live and Super Immunity, which which had some mainstream success beyond just the the vegan community. Uh, but he he he's really science based, does lots of research, and he I forget if it's five percent or ten percent. I think it's ten. He says that even as someone who promotes this very very heavily plant based diet, most would call him one of the vegan doctors, as they're called. Uh, he says he doesn't know, like health wise, he can't say definitively that someone who eats 10% of their calories from meat uh, is any less healthy or, or from animal products is any less healthy than someone who eats is 100% vegan. So, and I think a lot of, a lot of vegans hate that because they want to, they want to push the 100% vegan diet and they, it's because they have this ethical stuff tied up in there with it like I do, but I just do my best to separate it from the health and try to look at it, um, you know, scientifically and, and not being biased. So I think it's, I think it's great that he says something like that, uh, because I think it gives people who who don't have this ethical thing at all and don't want and aren't basically aren't going to eat better if they have to totally give up meat. I mean, right there is is your permission to to eat mostly plants now and then have animal products if you need to. And uh, according to him, not obviously be any of the worse for it. So I think uh, I think you're onto something there, Jason. I think the blue zones are are onto that as well. And uh, and so is Dr. Furman. Yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it. And also, um, I followed Dan uh, Bittner, Butner. It might be Bittner. I, I actually have only seen it, never heard it. Yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but you, uh, I follow him on Instagram, and he posts a lot of really interesting uh, photos of not just food, but just the places that he, the, where he is. So I think he was in Costa Rica recently, and that's just that's a one of the you know blue zone yep. pockets around the world. Uh, you have. Uh, place in Japan as well. I think it's the island. Yeah, that's of Okinawa. Okinawa, yeah. yeah. Um, so really interesting stuff. I haven't read the book yet, but it's definitely uh, on my list. So yeah, that's that was like the best. I think in 2015, I, I was kind of keeping track of the books I read, and that was by far my favorite. And I recommend it to everyone who will listen. Uh, and it's not a vegan book; it's just a healthy eating book, and uh, and it's not just eating. Like there's there's all kinds of other factors in living long, according to these this this major study they did. Uh, that involves like you know social interactions and how much are you surrounded by family and do you have a sense of purpose in your life and do you do some sort of gardening or live in a hilly area or an area where there's high mineral content in the water I mean all these different things that aren't just food choices but it kind of paints this picture that to me is like such an inspiring ideal for what life should be and, and I think it's just such a, a great thing and it's unfortunately a lot of these these blue zones are starting to sort of dry up as they they get westernized and they get McDonald's and like apparently although the only two generations or three generations ago they had all these these centenarians these people who were living to be a hundred now the the kids and younger people are are like just as obese as everybody else so kind of a shame but uh, I think it's a really cool concept and really great book the Blue Zones. 
Yeah, so you, you've sold me. I'm going to go order it today, actually. <laughs> okay. Good. All right. Hey, thanks so much, Matt. This was great. Um, and, you know, when I whenever I think about success in running, I'm always thinking that it's very much dependent on the lifestyle that surrounds the training. Yeah, you know, the workouts and the long runs are all important, of course. But look, if you're not sleeping well, if you're not eating right, cutting stress out from your life, taking care of your body the other 23 hours of the day, any success you're going to have is just going to be a lot more difficult to achieve. And so for runners who want every advantage that they can possibly get to get faster, to stay healthy, uh, run more consistently, I think the healthy habits that we talked about today are uh, going to make all of the training that you're doing a lot easier, and it's going to make accomplishing all those goals a lot easier, too. So, Good. Okay, well, Matt, I'm, one, I'm glad it helped. Thank you. It's been fun being on. Yeah. One last question for you today. So of everything we talked about, what do you consider the most important? What's the keystone habit if someone came to you and they're like, I, I need to get one thing right first? What's that one habit? Uh don't own any dogs as pets because if you try to, if you become a podcaster later on, they'll bark and ruin just about every episode you ever try to do. <laughs> I love it. It lends a nice live <laughs> feeling to to the show. <laughs> now, I, I apologize if you've heard them. I tried to do my best to mute it, but I'm, I'm sure I didn't get all of them. You know, I think, I hope it doesn't sound cheesy. The start with the habit that it seems really fun to you because it is hard to start new habits. I'm not going to pretend that it's easy. Uh, that's, that's where the small steps idea got its popularity because people fail all the time because they try to take on too much at once and their willpower, you know, suffers as a result. Like you said, if you try to set up this perfect diet for yourself and you're just jumping in or this perfect training schedule and you're going from zero to suddenly you're either at the gym every day or you're running three miles a day, you're just, you're going to fail unless you're superhuman you're you're going to hit the point where your willpower runs out and that's probably a week or two into it it all seems going well until then and then suddenly it's just too much and you stop and you never look at it again or or don't go for years so that's where small steps came from people started saying well let's take a much much gentler approach and this is what you suggested Jason like picking one little thing owning that and waiting till you're good at that and getting that one before you try to add on more to it so but even that and i've studied this stuff a lot like even that is still really hard. There are just so many different distractions now and other stuff tugging at us in all these different ways. And I think it's just different than ever before. Uh, the fact is it is hard to create habits. Even for someone who spends a lot of time thinking about habits and trying to pick the best ones, it's so hard to do it. So I think the thing that will set you up for success, uh, and I'm speaking mainly here to people who have probably a bunch of stuff they want to change and they don't know where to start or they feel so overwhelmed they just can't even begin where to start – the thing to pick first is the one that brings you the absolute most excitement because that that excitement, hopefully, if it, if it sticks, is going to overcome any of these little willpower issues that come up because they, they, they will. There are going to be times when it's hard to, to do it, whether you start small steps or large steps or whatever. Um, but if you pick something that that is like this part of you that has kind of died or that's just barely alive. And I, I mentioned the guitar example just because it's I, I like that one. Like I'm, I'm someone who does off and on play the guitar, and I, I also play drums. And that, that's actually more my real habit is drums, but I feel like people can't relate to that quite as much because it just seems like a bunch of noise. But like something like play the guitar, uh, you know, like I feel like if you like if you start spending five or ten or fifteen or maybe even twenty, maybe even up to thirty minutes a day doing that, and I said how it stacks up. If that's the if guitar is something that lights you up and you haven't touched it in five years as a, as a result of everything else, the effect of your giving yourself that time, uh, that time to do something that that you know truly is 
this activity that that just resonates with you like almost nothing else in the world does it's going to spill over into so many other areas of your life and although you have carved away half hour of your time and dedicated it to this every day i really really believe that that it's going that it, this is a net win in terms of how much time and productivity you're going to have because it's going to spill over and everything. You're going to be better at everything else. You're going to be more able to handle everything else. You're probably going to have maybe even stronger willpower at everything else because you've nurtured this side of yourself. Um, so, you know, r- running is kind of the same way. I feel like if you if you can establish a running habit, like, yes, it takes 30 or 45 minutes out of your day, but I think you get that back in terms of your energy levels throughout the day. So, um you know, I don't want it to sound cheesy, like just, just follow your heart and do, you know, do the thing that is, that is, that speaks to you. Find, you know, do your passion. I don't want to be that guy. Uh, but I think this is the best place to start. I think if you start with something that you are naturally passionate about, that there's not a lot of resistance to other than the fact that you just kind of always push it aside because it seems like a self-indulgent habit. Um, that's going to pave the way for all the other stuff. You're going to start to to realize you're going to start to see and have these tangible benefits to what happens when you actually stick with a habit for a while, even if it starts out with just a tiny amount of time. And, uh, you know, you'll learn as the more habits that you create successfully and, and you just learn more and more about yourself and how you, how you handle them and what you need to avoid and what you need to change in your process of creating habits. Uh, so I think why not start with the one that's going to be, that's going to, you know, not quite guarantee success, but make it as easy as possible to stick with it. So start with the one that, that lights you up. That's, that's the very short answer of, uh, of that very long spiel. And there we have it. Focus on what excites you. Thanks again, Matt. This was awesome. All right. Thanks, Jason. Talk to you later. And there we go. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Matt Frazier. You can learn a lot more about what he's all about at nomeatathlete.com. He has a great podcast as well as an award-winning blog. His latest book, The No Meat Athlete Cookbook, is also available now for pre-order. And like I mentioned at the beginning, this interview was just an excerpt from the Team Strength Running Coaching Program. This program is where any runner can get personal coaching affordably with access to a growing library of training plans, monthly guest interviews just like this one, a community of other runners to get support and encouragement from, and a host of other great discounts and resources. And the good news? We're opening up soon, so don't miss out on that. Go to strengthrunning.com slash TSR and sign up to learn more about the team. All right, that's it for today. Have a great one, run strong, and I'll talk to you soon. 